Hi all, and welcome back to Conservation Realist. Today is episode six, and we are back to conversations after the monologue in episode five. However, if you have not listened to episode five, I really recommend you do that before listening to this episode, because it will give you some really um, helpful background and context for this conversation. And this conversation is with Yinyin Tay, and she is a program officer at Point B Design and Training, uh, as well as one of the co-founders and currently the leading coordinator of the Myanmar Coastal Conservation Lab, or MCCL, which is the local youth-led organization operating out of Point B. And she is one of my most cherished mentees. Those original three who co-founded Myanmar Coastal Conservation Lab, and that includes Win Tae and Ang Nguyen So, will always be so special to me. Um, we learned a lot together, we built a lot together, and I so admire what they've all continued on to do. So I was really happy that she was able to make time in her really quite busy schedule to chat with me a bit. Before going any further, I would once again like to express my appreciation for anyone who's following along, be that listening or reading the transcript, um, even following the posts I put up on Instagram, uh, summarizing some of this content. Uh, It means a lot to have you paying attention. And uh, someone reached out to me on Instagram and sent me a really nice message about how they appreciated the podcast and felt like it was a valuable resource And that just made me feel so fantastic, Uh, especially because this is someone I've never met before. I've had some really like generous, heartwarming feedback from my friends and colleagues on this podcast so far. But to have someone who I've never met um, take the time and effort to reach out really meant a lot. So thank you for that. And uh, you too can contribute to me feeling fantastic about this podcast by liking, sharing, leaving comments on the Substack site. And I want to give a shout out to the folks I know in Myanmar who are doing a great job representing themselves on the comments. You guys are the leaders so far. Um, And also, of course, reviews on the podcast as well. So back to Yin Yin and some of the context for our conservation. Nope conversation. And I'm going to try to keep this at a reasonable length. As you saw last week, I could speak about this for a very long time. And I'm going to start with her origin story as related to her work in conservation. And that's because I think it's a really powerful example of someone gaining confidence and really amplifying what they're able to do with that confidence. You might remember from the previous episode that she was one of my original three field assistants in Myanmar during my postdoc, and I was impressed with all of them. She, in particular, I thought, had a real strength when it came to making community members feel really comfortable around her. And uh, this was evidence when we were doing research uh, on the Meek Archipelago, on the formation of the locally managed marine areas. We were interviewing different stakeholders to see what their impression was of that whole, of that whole process. You know, was it effective? Was it inclusive? So on and so forth. 
And she was the only one who the local Moken women would be willing to talk to. The rest of us actually had to move out of sight um, before they were willing to speak to her. And she hung out with them for, uh, I think it was hours. We were getting worried. Like, where is she? And she just came back all aglow, like so full of information they'd shared with her, you know, about how they'd felt marginalized in the process. And um, it really gave all of us some great insight as to how conservation processes can be more inclusive to groups who are already marginalized. And in that project and some of the other smaller field work that we did together as a team, I was so happy with how everyone on the team was doing. I was really impressed with their skills. But there came a day when we were, you know, starting to do data analysis where she almost left the team. And I was really concerned, you know, like, did I do something as a leader to, to um, scare, scare her off? Uh, but it turned out was that she didn't feel confident in her ability to contribute to the team anymore because she didn't have a lot of experience working with computers. And this is the case for a lot of people in Myanmar, right? Like a computer is very much a luxury item. Um, so I, I'm really appreciative that she decided to, you know, be brave and come back despite her misgivings. And luckily I had some extra research funding that I could use to purchase equipment and it seemed to make perfect sense to me to purchase a computer for us to do data analysis for my project. And so in addition to teaching them how to enter data in Excel, I also made sure to, to show her how to um, practice on typing tutorials, for example. And she worked really hard at it, and she just blossomed so much. And fast forward to now, she is running Myanmar Coastal Conservation Lab. She's teaching people how to use computers. She is teaching people how to enter data, do basic data analyses, how to write reports and make presentations in PowerPoint. And, you know, she plays such an important role in contributing to the content of the projects that are designed there, in addition to her really obvious strengths in the field. And she is really a true leader and an effective leader. She's made Myanmar Coastal Conservation Lab feel like a family. And in 2020, she was selected as a youth biodiversity leader for the Young Southeast Asian Leadership Initiative, uh, YSEALI, which is funded by the U.S. government to promote the development of leadership skills in youth in ASEAN nations. So that's Association of Southeast Asian Nations. So she was selected as one of two from Myanmar as a youth biodiversity leader. And a lot of our conversation touches on how important those kinds of opportunities are. And linking back to last episode's theme of the trickle-down effect of capacity building, one of the other young researchers at Myanmar Coastal Conservation Lab has been selected to the current cohort of youth biodiversity leaders. And Win Tae, one of the original founders of MCCL, you know, some years ago he earned a prestigious Chevening scholarship to get his master's in marine environmental marine environmental protection at Bangor University. And Ong Nain So, he is such an important leader in his community, and he unfortunately had to leave the conservation field 
to be able to be closer to his family. But he's so active in his community and he's teaching youth in his community. And I think the diversity of experiences shown even by those three just shows like how many ways there are to take what you've learned, to take the capacity that's shared with you, and to amplify it and spread it and share it with other people. And we have other MCCL alumni and young researchers, um, Zun Puen U, uh, Zun Pie U, and Yanlin Tet, who received funding from the Young Southeast Asia Leadership Initiative's um, Marine Accelerator Program for their Save Irrawaddy Dolphin Campaign Project, which was uh, to develop community engagement materials and approaches for marine mammal conservation. And all of this stemmed from three field assistants. That's pretty amazing. And honestly, these these international opportunities and international recognition is really just kind of the, the icing on the cake for the really fantastic things that these young people are doing. But it's also, of course, very encouraging to get that kind of recognition and also to have that support and those opportunities as well. And I want to bring this introduction to a close with a story about the original three, the dream team, uh, who joined me on research in the Meek Archipelago. Um, one of the most formative experiences for them was actually in between our field work, which was when we were in transit between two villages and we were able to take a little snorkel stop because um, Fauna and Flora International were generous enough to loan snorkel equipment to us. And this was the first time for these three Gulf of Motama area locals <laughs> to see clear ocean water, to see coral reefs, to be able to observe fish swimming under the water with their own eyes. And that was really powerful for them. The opportunity for immersion and for exploration, for seeing things with your own eyes, for observing things, and, you know, with some coaching about being mindful about everything you're observing along the way, that is huge, I think. And it's something that's not incorporated enough when we're talking about building capacity for research in conservation. And, you know, we had great outputs, great impacts from incorporating these opportunities in our internship program. For example, a group was able to go to the Philippines and learn about plastic waste and working with communities on plastic waste issues from the Philippine Reef and Rainforest Conservation Foundations. The trip was amazing for them. It was a life-changing trip, and they were able to come back to Myanmar and, and fairly autonomously design their own plastic waste research projects, as well as various educational campaigns. And in 2019, the team presented a poster on their marine mammal work for the World Marine Mammal Conference in Barcelona, and they won the Stephen Leatherwood Award, which is for the best presentation relevant to conservation in Southeast Asia. And this was huge. We were not really expecting this, but for the team, having that, that appreciation for their work was so invigorating and so encouraging and really fueled them even more to pursue their work in marine mammals in Myanmar. Okay, I've, I've spoken enough. Let's go to a clip from The Green Touch by Somo Twin, Xian Tet, and Min Min, and we'll come back to the conversation with Yin Yin. I'll pay my load to 
ตาวายเมียวเสร็จตอบบ่เลยตาบ่วายเจ้าเรมิตินายมาสิเมนลงนาไตมินตวยจีเลยอจุไทยเต็งจาโซนากันมาเลยเมยเยนวิตวยเจ
uh, important for to conserve without harming this this kind these people. Yeah, but I start to I start uh, my passion. I start a little bit from that, and then after that, I have a chance to join in MacRap uh, research in Kappa Motama, and then I build skill training from like here use uh, supported the skill training on the conservation, and then yeah, I my journey start with that, and then I became like more and more interested in it and uh what built my strengths on uh, on passionate about this conservation was uh attending warm remember conference uh in uh, in Barcelona in 2019 because I saw a lot of people walking different feel about the conservations and I saw so much energy from there and I could build some networking from there and then I get inspiration a lot and then my hope for walking in conservation like became very strong yeah mm -hmm. I think my story uh, start my I discover my passionate of conservation with with those kind of things. Thank you for sharing that Yin Yin. It's been really cool to see not just you, but you know Ang uh, Nain So and Win and then all the youth that you three have trained over the years to see the journey of of each and every one of them. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. And that's one thing I wanted to really compliment you on is you're doing a really fantastic job running Myanmar Coastal Conservation Lab and, and helping other youths not only discover the passion that you discovered, but helping them build the skills and the experiences that they need to be able to work in the field. Um, so I'm wondering what kind of impact have you seen from the work you've done with MCC MCCL uh, on the youth that you've worked with? Okay, that's a great question too. Um, for me, the, be the best impact that I saw from youth is uh, they value the community with mm -hmm. their heart. When working with communities, something like interviewing or doing some campaign, they communicate with their heart and then they care about the community and they respect the community. That's just the main thing I, I see uh, from, from the youth. And another thing is they respect respect each other and then they come strong with the trust building in with the community and they are like uh, always remember how to uh, adapt good practice, uh, good practice. Uh, when doing some interviews in the community mm -hmm. yeah and then another thing is they became like uh, physically and mentally strong uh, mm -hmm. yeah in work that uh, I, I assume that is the impact uh, mm -hmm. they get from working from with me yeah yeah another thing another impact that I see is they can lead they have confidence mm -hmm. to in uh, giving training and then doing some research in the communities, they uh, build their uh, their confidence. Yeah, because uh, in activities I give like that role, divided role to lead. Uh, that's just my inspiration come from my supervisor like you. I mean, I get a good example from the junior senior, mm -hmm. and I could yeah yeah when I evaluate them and that's come. Uh, they 
the result come with that, like they can lead and they have confidence. Uh, one communicate with community and the trainees. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, and in addition to what you've seen with the youth, what are some of the most powerful things you have learned from your work in conservation in Myanmar? Yeah, um, some powerful thing is like passion to work in conservation. This is a like I uh, guess that is a powerful thing, and mm -hmm. also like community engagement. Mm -hmm. uh, engage community uh, like without harm them and uh, understand, give understand them and respect them. This is a the powerful thing that I see, and also uh, the other thing, the other powerful thing I see is youth participation. Uh, you have a lot, lot of energy. They have like time availability to work uh, on this thing, and um, and also they have passions. Those are like powerful thing uh, to to do conservation, like in Myanmar. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one thing that really struck me when I was working there is so many young people were really interested in doing something for the environment, but they just didn't have many pathways available to them for, for doing that work. Uh, and that's one thing that we, and especially you, have been trying to do with MCCL. Um, can you share some of the main challenges you face in sustaining MCCL's work? And I'm asking this because maybe not everybody knows the reality for a small, especially a relatively new organization, especially working in, in a complicated context like Myanmar? Uh, well, in speaking about this challenge uh, in sustaining MCL work, I would say one is budgeting. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have like a sustainable budget uh, to uh, work in conservation activities. Uh, that is one main thing. And another thing uh, like would be political situations, you know, uh, before we have been doing a lot of good activities and put more a lot of energy on that. But uh, as the political situation, that's lim like uh, limit all limit to do like activities, and uh, we have to like uh, stop our uh, internship program, and then from that program, people can't uh, uh, ask. People can't join uh, in that program, and then they lost their opportunities to learn uh, about uh, the conservation. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, those are those are difficult. And as you know, a lot of funding sources have decided to not fund projects in Myanmar, uh, which is, has unfortunate effects for small organizations like MCCL, who are actually trying to do really good work on the ground. Um, related to that, what are some of the main challenges facing youth who want to do work in conservation in Myanmar? The best questions. Because <laughs> there's a lot of to talk about the challenges uh, that youth are facing to work in conservation in Myanmar. And first, I would say limited skill. Uh, uh, let's say technical skills and knowledge, uh, because uh, since uh, we joined the active, uh, we joined the university, uh, we have like very less option to uh, like take a major that we want, right? Uh, and uh, another one is um, 
after we graduate, we make our pathway like our career. Uh, but some people, some students, they can't make their decision by themselves. They, they are influenced by the parents. Mm -hmm. Like the parents say, like, you have to be like a teacher. You have to become like a businessman and blah, blah. And then this is, uh, they can't make their own decisions, right? And then uh, another thing is we ask the education system, uh, the critical thinking, mindfulness, and system thinking are very less uh, in the curriculum. That's why um, those be, those are became the challenge, main challenge for you to work in the conservation as well. Uh, they have less practice on critical thinking, mindfulness, and system thinking practice. And uh, another thing is a limited conservation work in a uh, work op opportunity. You know, uh, there is very less opportunity for uh, in, in these activities and uh, limited resource person and technical device like computer because mm -hmm. they can't afford. We also like uh, can't afford to buy a computer and then we don't know how to use that, use that right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, some certain people have that, uh, have access to uh, that device. That's why even we are interested to do this work. This is the main challenge, could be the main challenge for us to work, uh, to work in that area, yeah, right. And another thing is language barrier. Language barriers mean uh, we use the Myanmar as a mother language, and English is the second language, and we are kind of like uh, not fluent in English, um, but. This conservation work, like mostly they are came, come uh, like from the Western country, right? Mm -hmm. And then we uh, don't, we didn't know, uh, we don't know uh, like what the other people say and then what is written, some kind of that, like language barriers and um, yeah, so on. Mm -hmm. And another thing is financial insecurity uh, yeah. because in this conservation field, we don't get a uh, kind of like good salary, let's say, and I can't support the family. And then uh, we can stand by ourselves sometimes, mm -hmm. right? It's the, the similar with you too. Uh, we can create a job opportunity for them as the financial access is very limited, right? Even though we, we want to do, but uh, we can't, right? And, Another thing is grant access. Uh, we don't have much grant on the activities that we do, like marine mammal. Uh, it is very costly pro uh, activities, right? Let's say the boat survey is uh, the device, and uh, the costs are very high. Yeah. And then, yeah, now grant access is limited. And another one is, uh, I would say, location access, uh, because. Some of you live in the remote area, but they can learn in certain place, like let's say in Molonyai, right? And then in person, if they uh, have to attend in person, it's become a barrier for them and then they can't take uh, that chance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those kind of thing I see as a challenge uh, like facing, uh, with, uh, facing youth. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of challenges. And um, I know from our friends and other countries in the region that some of these are very common challenges, but I think they are made worse in a place like Myanmar, where there's this difficult political context on, on top of 
the pandemic that everyone is experiencing. Um, I know this is a difficult question, but what do you think would help overcome these challenges? Uh, well, uh, now, now social media is very popular and then we can see people in virtual world. And I think one possible thing uh, like to overcome this challenge was is networking with youth who wants to work in conservation, like building a network who can assess this skill and then like do assessment who are interested in conservation and then how can they assess the skill and knowledge, right? Yeah. And Another thing is like create internship program and support skill training to them. Uh, if like, like the MCCL program before, we recruit a student and a graduate, graduated student um, to be a part of uh, conservation, uh, a part of cons doing conservation activities. Yeah, that is, I think that's really an effective way to, uh, to do. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is uh, like contacting, mentoring, and coaching mm -hmm. uh, youth. Okay, if what they want, and then how can they achieve this, and yeah. what their challenge, uh, right? And then what is the uh, what is the thing to overcome this challenge? Yeah, like doing the mentorship program and coaching program to them would uh, overcome this challenge. Yeah, another thing is sharing uh, like scholarship and learning exchange trip opportunity with them would be helpful, would overcome this challenge as well. That uh, all I all I see. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, going back to some of the challenges you were mentioning earlier, and you said, you know, English is a second language. For, for many of you, it's like the third or fourth or fifth language. Um, and I think that the language barrier is, is something that the conservation community needs to think about more in a more meaningful way. And uh, the access as well, the, the geographic action, uh, access, the, the, the issue of being in a remote location. Another complication with that is, is not great access to good internet. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were able to shift over to internet and, and do a lot of great trainings that way. And with the, the current military government, internet access, it has really decreased. So that means that even that avenue for reaching people in remote areas is is not as accessible as, as it could be. And yeah. yeah. That's really good point. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I should put I should bring those points as well, like internet access and then plus electricity. And yeah. especially from Myanmar, you know, uh they cut off electricity and even if we have internet access, we can't uh easily get easily connect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that too. That too. Is this important important too? Yeah, yeah. And and also the, the limited job opportunities. I mean, you know, the three of you co-founded MCCL, and I had the privilege of working with you and, and kind of being a mentor as you grew the program. And um, the long-term <laughs> logistics of it, we, I kind of always knew it would be difficult because even if one organization is doing a lot of great work, even if they get a lot of great funding, 
that's not enough to sustain a generation of people. Like we couldn't offer full-time jobs for every qualified intern who's been through the program. It, the other conservation organizations need to also kind of be connected in, in creating this network of jobs. And uh, unfortunately right now, everyone's facing challenges with, with funding, um, yeah. with starting new programs and um, that kind of big coordination, it would be challenging in any in any condition. Um, but yeah, I think that that's that kind of weighs heavy on my mind because we, we started and designed this great program and, and gave these youth skills and passion. And then there's no good pipeline for them. Yeah. So I think the hope is that they gain skills and perspectives that will be useful for them no matter what career they pick up and that if they have to leave conservation for logistic reasons, maybe yeah. they can someday come back. But it's definitely a very, um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult challenge. It's, it's a challenge that makes me pretty sad, but we, you know, we're, we're working on it, right? <laughs> we're working yeah. on getting our money in. Um, and so what motivates you, Yin to work through these challenges? I mean, you work really, really hard and um, it's so appreciated, but I'd love to learn more about what your motivations are. Yeah, what motivates motivate me is were where first I would say community, the face of communities, the mm -hmm. smile, their smile. Whenever I uh, go to the local, do uh, to, to the village, I saw hope in their in the eyes. Yeah, and then I feel like. Um, they are very strong. They became will become very strong if uh, they understand our language, uh, like uh, conservation, uh, and they could if they could participate uh, in these activities, and they will become the lead uh, the leaders role in their uh, in in their uh, communities. Mm -hmm. And the first become to my mind is the community. Yeah. I see them as the leaders. Yeah. And uh, another thing is, another one is supporting youth. These youth have a lot of energy to work in, uh, to work in these activities. And I saw their capability uh, and that motivates me a lot. Okay, youth, they can do it. And then we can do it. And mm -hmm. then that, that motivates me a lot. And another thing is like biodiversity in Myanmar. Let's say when I visit to Singapore, and then I saw even Singapore is uh, like quite small, smaller than Myanmar, but they conserve it really well. They conserve very systematic way. And I feel very inspired to go like, what if I became like someone who are involving in that, uh, in that, in the role of conserving this biodiversity? Uh, let's say marine mammal, marine mammal uh, conserve a marine mammal species. Mm -hmm. What if that? What if I I am a role in conserving our Ramsar site, because they are really uh, they manage really good, and then we in Myanmar we have hope because mm -hmm. we have human resource and we have passions on that, and then that motivates me a lot. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, and this can overcome uh, this motivation can overcome this difficult uh, difficult conditions. Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, and um, 
I mean, what I think is just remarkable is, as, as far as I know, you all are the only ones doing marine mammal work on the whole coast of Myanmar. You know, there's, there's work going on on the Irrawaddy River with the dolphins there, but on the coastline, I, I think you're the only project operating right now. So that's, you know, that's, that's huge, I think. You know, you and the whole team through your social media work, uh, reaching a broader audience through your work with communities, you're doing something that's really important for your country. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I want to uh, touch on what you were mentioning, your Singapore trip. So I'd love to hear a bit from you about your experience as a YCLE young Southeast Asia leadership. In young biodiversity leadership. Yeah, yeah, a youth biodiversity leader. Um, yeah. Just, uh, I think it's important for people out there to know what these programs are like and the kind of benefits that they have. So hopefully more programs like this can be offered to provide opportunities. So what have been the main benefits of this program for you? Yeah, yeah. The main benefit uh, from this program that I would say networking, mm. because I met a lot of uh, youth from different countries, different ASEAN countries, let's say 10 countries, right? And then they are very active. They are very like good in social skill. And then they share their work. And then I share my work as well. And then we become kind of like strong core uh, networking uh, network. And then even I came back from from the workshop, I still have this connection, and then we are like uh, we can discuss. Uh, okay, for our activities, who I have to approach for mm -hmm. this for the community engagement, who I have to approach for these uh, activities, right? And then yeah, I assume the main benefit I get from that is networking. Mm -hmm. It is the main part, and then the other is uh, like uh motivation inspiration you know like those kind of stuff i i have a lot i have a lot of energy even though i am uh like older than them but like i inspired by them and i become okay i be, i become like more social and then i will use my communication skill my social skill to uh, make uh, the networking strong uh, something like that mm -hmm. yeah and another thing is seeing uh, different kind of uh, biodiversity and management system in this in Singapore uh, inspire me a lot uh, to work more conservation in Myanmar. You know, the for the obvious thing is learning Ramsar site from the from there, and then I'm really inspired to work for the Ramsar. Uh, like to conserve the Ramsar in Myanmar, that mm -hmm. that was uh, like really good uh, for me that I get that inspiration, and also uh, I could I could have I could like make a group in like within IYBL uh, mm -hmm. in Myanmar from since two thousand nineteen to two thousand twenty three. I could make a group, and then I have a youth group, a YBL group, and then local local networking, you know, mm -hmm. and then. Have connection with the country uh, co coordinator, 
And then we will, we have a plan like to meet like every quarter in discussing for the law law or policy on the biodiversity, something like that. Yeah, that was, uh, that were like all the benefit that I get uh, from the, from this program. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, how, how can regional opportunities like this help other young conservationists working in difficult situations? Yeah, they can first, um, it's going to help them, like, uh, you know, keep moving, passion, mm -hmm. passion mm -hmm. about that. By seeing other people doing that, and then they will become like a passionate, more passionate about that, and they will see hope uh, to work with. And also, one thing is to get like a grant opportunity from the from this program, and mm -hmm. then they will, it become it will become their inspiration and motivation to to work in conservation. That I think, yeah, yeah. No, I remember um, when we were able to do that exchange visit for our first batch of interns to the Philippines. And um, I had to justify <laughs> why I was spending money on this, uh, even though I had a huge budget at the time. And uh, the, the project was happy to send government officials and, and community members and other stakeholders on exchange trips, but for some reason didn't see the value in sending youth on exchange mm -hmm. trips. And I was, able to explain, and, and to their credit, the project approved it, that these kinds of exchanges were so formative for me in, in my young career as well. It's not just a fun trip. You know, it's not just young people going on vacation. There is a lot of fun, but going to somewhere, you know, going to the Philippines, it's not hugely different from Myanmar in that they're both tropical, but you got to see ecosystems that you didn't get to see before you got to visit a different culture, share lessons with other people, uh, other organizations. And it was not only a bonding experience for the Myanmar students, but also, yeah. like you said, a, an opportunity to network and connect with your colleagues in the Philippines. And the, the memories that come from trips like that, it's not just, oh, we got to go on a beautiful beach and got to learn how to snorkel and, you know, got to fly on a plane for the first time. It's lessons that you get from every part of that trip that I think are, are really hard to capture in in numbers on a report. Yeah. But I think those life experiences are are so fundamental for helping young people learn more about the world around them, learn how to find a passion and, and to connect. So I'm I'm a big supporter of programs like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like since I was in the Philippine trips, that motivated me a lot to uh, learn more about the uh, more about the conservation. Uh, let's see, I haven't seen a lot of uh, like uh, fishes and then like clear water coral, uh, big corals, right? And then that trip made me uh, like a big experience to explore explore and then like um delivers um building more passion mm -hmm. in conservation right after make trip yeah 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 and that's so much to learn another thing i want to add from the ybl uh, mm -hmm. program was 
in that program, we have a chance to meet with the experts uh, like biodiversity grandma, Lina Cham, and then marine protective area experts, something like that. We have like group chat. And then from then, uh, for me, uh, I can learn how they work with the community, how they engage community, their perspective and their practice. We can learn and it can inspire me a lot. Mm-hmm. And then another thing is, uh, you know, learning about how to manage, uh, how to, uh, learning about youth, uh, like seven letter of youth to, or like empower youth. They have like tokenizing or step one, two, three, four, five, six, right? And then which step are you manage? One manage that bring me, uh, okay, am I right? Uh, uh, like in my organization, am I right? I handle you like this. Uh, yeah, it like asks me a lot of questions uh, I ha- have uh, for myself. And then I became very mindful if I ask something like this, uh, like how to, uh, is it top down or bottom up? Yeah, something like that. I became like kind of mindful uh, working with youth. Uh, one like giving their, giving some roles and mm-hmm. responsibility. Yeah, so like the good leadership skills. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm so glad that you are a part of that program. And I'm, I'm glad that another one of the young researchers at MCCL is now part of that program. Um, yeah. And then hopefully it's just the beginning for what MCCL youth will be able to do in the future. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, how much of an opportunity it was to go to the World Marine Mammal Conference a few years ago in Barcelona. Uh, that was such a nice trip to take with the three of you. Um, I have very fond memories. But one of my favorite memories was just watching you all experience this conference. Um, and for you and Ong Nain So, it was your first international conference. And, and it was really interesting, especially because you don't come from a marine biology or ecology. You don't come from a natural science background. Um, You come from a background that has a lot more experience working with communities than I think the average uh, researcher at a conservation conference has. So it was really cool to see you experience the conference and to hear your thoughts about it. Um, Can you share a bit about your impressions of the international conservation community based on that conference? Yeah, yeah, that's very good. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm very excited to share that as well. Okay. When I was in that conference, uh, frankly, I was really, it's overwhelming uh, because there is a lot of people, right? And they are experts. And I'm kind of like very like from from the local and then very, I have very limited uh, knowledge on conservation, right? And I'm very overwhelmed. But one thing is when I like talk about these like community things, I can I can talk, I can present, uh, right? That is one thing. And another impression, my impression uh, from the World Marine Mama Conference in Barcelona, like I see all the people like has full of energy in their work. And even they saw me very friendly and then very good in social and communication and networking, like saying uh, uh, like very, like warming words and then hugging yeah those <laughs> that those is a kind of like the impression impression for me like these kind of people like very humble and uh, make a big networking and good mm-hmm. in 
communication. Yeah, I also like adapt those uh, those skill as well after I come come back uh, from that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that that was my big impressions uh, from the LDU MMC conference. And yeah, to add on, um, to add on, one thing is like achieving winning the Stephen Leadership Award is mm -hmm. my like first impression as well because uh, it is um, like not fully and and it's expected right mm -hmm. and then that became like impression like on our work on our concept like very like small conservation step right mm -hmm. yeah that yeah. was an impression for me as well yeah, I was also very pleasantly surprised because I didn't realize posters were eligible for the prize. And to me, I thought it spoke not only to the quality of your work, but also that the Society for Marine Mammalogy really appreciated seeing a team from Myanmar, yeah. uh, from which there hadn't been a team in, in years. I, I don't even know uh, if there has been representation from Myanmar in the past. So it was nice to see that appreciation for for your small delegation from Myanmar. Yeah. I do remember, um, I think it was after the first day of the workshop, the finless porpoise workshop. Yeah. And you mentioned to me, nobody is really talking about communities. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Yes, Yin Yin, this, <laughs> this has been my my major complaint about this conference for years. And it took you just part of a day to notice that. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think, um, do you, what are your thoughts on, on how a conference like WMMC could benefit from talking more about communities? Oh, if they could talk about the community, that would be like more powerful for the people, like for the audience, because if someone bring uh, about the community, the, I mean, there's a lot of people who would love to hear mm -hmm. uh, people talking about the community because uh, in conservation, we can't separate community and the other staff, right? And in working with community is the main core, like in conserving the nature and on, on conserving biodiversity. That's why if they can talk, they can put the session, like uh, uh, talking about the community. Yeah, mm -hmm. people like might learn a lot and inspire from that a lot, I think, especially people like me. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I fully agree that any international conservation conference needs to have more inclusion of uh, of sessions on on the community on communities um, in a way that's more integrated with the conference than yeah. at least that particular conference has been. Um, I I want to also ask, and I didn't include this in my questions ahead of time, but. You are from a village. A lot of the MCCL youth are from villages. Um, do you think this helps you when you're working with communities um, on conservation? Oh, yeah. I I would give example in me. Mm -hmm. I'm 
became I'm like ethnic uh, two ethnic came from the two ethnicity group, and then I would assume I am like from the local person from the local community because I live in the remote area as well, and then I know the how much difficult to access uh, uh like education or uh, some facilities. Yeah, and similar to other people who come from the uh, different local community, they uh, they are they like understood uh, they understood the difficulty of the community, and I mean in working in conservation, uh, that helped them a lot. That helped me a lot to empathize the community. And then to know their perspective, to know their language. In this case, uh, community language, I mean, that's not, uh, we use Burmese or English, that's not like that. They have one level of language, you know, uh, because most of them are like, uh, they could attend the high grade uh, education, you know, and mm -hmm. then they, they they use some words uh, words level understanding level are different from others. Even for us, we develop questions, um, but uh, in the community we have to ask like alternative question because it's that's not the, their understanding level. We have mm -hmm. to adjust that, right? Yeah, and then for us, uh, we understand easily okay one saying this word and what 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 we're mean to the community yeah this is easy for us to work with the community in conservation right mm -hmm. that's why this is our strengths uh our strengths like if we became from uh we can put their shoe right yeah yeah we can empathize them that's that's i see uh the strengths of the uh, people like us come from community can work with the community and understand them yeah i i, I think that am am i correct or not i don't know no that makes a lot of sense to me Yin. i mean i i've only worked in countries that i'm not from and i didn't grow up in a small village or a small town uh so I always depend on on teams or having at least one member who who knows who understands what works in communities and what communities are like. Uh, so I think that you and the team members who grew up in that context definitely have those strengths. And uh, I think that's really important. I mean, I, I remember you just casually telling me Oh, when we were taking breaks from boat surveys in the village, I just went and helped the women sort their fish. And that's how I learned that they have lots of plastic in their fish catch. And I just thought that was such a nice example of something that you were doing. Like you you actually wanted to, to help the community to understand them. And I think little things like that are one reason why MCCL has such a good relationship with that village, for example. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, if you're not comfortable answering this question, that's fine, Yin Yin. Um, but I want to know just with the, with the coup, um, how has that changed or shaped your outlook as, as a young person, uh, in Myanmar, um, whether it relates to working in conservation or not? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's affect a lot, change a lot, uh, affect me a lot, the cool. Uh, first, uh, like, um, like push, pushing down uh, our inspiration on working in conservation, 
because uh, most of the conservation work have to like associate with government, right? Mm -hmm. If uh, we don't uh, like affiliate with them, work with them, and then we have to like stop the activities. Uh, let's say for our for our organization, we don't uh, cooperate, uh, coordinate with them, and then we have to stop, uh, po postpone our activities. Or and that's mean uh, it can reduce our inspiration and then make us depressed or depressed in moving forward uh, in, in in the conservation work. Yeah, and another thing is uh, if we have less opportunity the youth that we work with has that opportunity as well, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also affects to the community as well and affect to our work uh, because this is a kind of like consequences, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it hit uh, it hits us a lot. This is the cool situation is uh, for education, so conservation, health, and the, all of the things, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even though I'm outside, I was really, I'm, I'm just very um, saddened among other, emotion, among other emotions by it, um, because when I was able to work there, it was such a time of, of blossoming. We were able to do so many wonderful things um, and harness a lot of energy and passion, and, and there was a lot of promise moving forward, and it was just uh, pretty devastating to feel that all of that work might be lost. So I want to really emphasize how impressive it is that you and the others at MCCL have continued to do the work you do. Um, when I talk to people, they often ask, you know, how is how is the team in Myanmar? And like, they're working really hard. They're doing a lot and, and people are really impressed that you are all able to um, to still do the work that you do under extremely difficult circumstances. Yeah, and yeah, in this case, I would thank for for thankful to the community mm -hmm. because uh, I'm built trust with them, and then we have like very like strong in trust building. And then we trust each other, and then they let us like doing activities without uh, coordinating with the government, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, because of the opportunity we can implement these activities. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of been the approach of, of most groups working on the environment in Myanmar, I think, is, is shifting to that, that local village focus and not mm -hmm. having to work with government agencies. Um, and that's something that's definitely better when you have a good relationship with the villages. Um, yeah. I want to ask, um, as someone who didn't have a degree in biology or zoology, um, who didn't have a formal technical background in conservation, um, what helped you gain confidence in your ability to contribute to the field? Okay, um, my confidence came from the experience that I work, 
even though I don't have like a formal background on this biology, uh, but I have a chance to participate like doing some research. And then from that research, I game, uh, I can do, I, I can lead in something, you know, uh, some role, I can take responsibility in some role. And that makes me uh, get confidence to talk and confidence to lead. And that does me learning by doing make me like uh, confidence. Mm -hmm. bring me confidence yeah uh, yeah for me everything is I learn I learn by doing and doing thing and I learn I apply yeah mm -hmm. yes no I think that's an important point because uh, I think a lot of people like you mentioned in university sometimes there's pressure often there's pressures to pick a, a major department that doesn't match with your passions and um, I'll be interviewing Tanda later and she's also someone who didn't come from a formal conservation yeah. training background. And I think there's so much that people can do who are not what we commonly think of as the main experts, but who actually have skills and expertise and practical, practical knowledge that a lot of the trained experts actually don't have as much of. Well, um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is one of the few meetings we have when I, I'm ending us on time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that you are willing to share some of your thoughts about the context you're working in and your experiences. Uh, I think it represents what a lot of small organizations are going through. And I, I really believe that the groups making really important differences are the small groups working locally. Um, and uh, so I, I think a lot of people will be interested to learn from from what you shared. So thank you very much. Thank you, Tara. I'm really glad to be in interview with you. Yes, Namatuime. Yes. ดอกปาจีเอสิงโคดานเวนาสวนเลยลูดาโรอาลอกยอชวนสยาเรเปซวนเนตุปยองเนอาผุเซลโลเลเซลันเนลาปาจีเอกงูซองเนตุลาเร
เมมิตาสุกนิโกมาวนมาไดเบเลอเวเนตุยสัลโลเตซองกาเลเทเตเฮลูไดมาโกซิตาวอชิเบโลบาเซยโจเนโอแจมเปลไลปาเน Minga ตุไทเตจาโซนากัมมาเลเมยเอ็นวิทวิเจโนเนลีบาวุจินลาปาลาโบเยลัลลุกูบาเลบาวายเอ็มยูสะตอปาโบเล ไม่ได้มาเสมีลงตาใจเป็นตัวจีเลบ่าวจินลับปาลาโบยีลัลลุกูบาเลบ่าวายเอ็มยูสะตอปาโบเลบ่าวายใจอารีมีตีนายมา